When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, this is Chris Jericho and you're listening to the Shout It Out Loud cast. They're going to give you a reason to live, make you feel like you're the king of the mountain. And when it's all said and done, they're going to dance all over your face. Oh, yeah. We got some good looking girls. Oh, yeah. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Shout It Out Loudcast, bonus episode four. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place. We're calling this one Follow Us Into the Super Unknown, if you dare. Zeus, Tommy, how are you? Uh, Zeus, do your entrance. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know any entrance. Good, Exit good morning. only. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. We're recording on an early Sunday Easter morning for those that celebrate. So what what better way to celebrate than with a dark, dreary, and depressing grunge album from the 90s? <laughs> That's perfect. Um, so I am excited because it's my turn to pick an album. And yes, I picked Soundgarden Super Unknown. We'll get into all that stuff. But uh, first, uh, I guess I w- I'd ask, how you doing over there, Mr. Morning Person in California? Uh, we're doing good, man. You know, just uh, staying at home. I think we're at day 24 or something like that. I've lost track. I have no idea what day it is. All <laughs> I know is uh, I can tell how long I've, this has been going on by checking how gr- long my beard is growing every day. That's, that's pretty much the only tracking mechanism I have. I don't even know what today. I, I know today's Easter. Because somebody told me it was, but I don't know. It's crazy. Tommy's got the beard growing even more. Looking good. Yeah. A lot of gray in there. I know. I know. I know. What are you going to do? It's not coming off until life is back to normal. So there's a good chance I could look like Dumbledore, you know, Grizzly Adams by the time we get back to (laughs) we get our lives back. Yeah, right. Grizzly Adams had a beard. Grizzly Adams did have a beard. Hey, guys, before we move any further, this is our fourth episode. I wrote it down, and I told us before we move on that we need to thank good friend of the show, Tony Musalem, for from Restrained for this awesome entrance music that he did for us. 
Yeah, it's about time. Four, fourth fourth time's the charm because every episode we always forget. But th- Tony, as always, thank you so much for that incredible intro. And, you know, Restrained, we always sing the praises of them too. So Yeah, Tony, I told him over and over and over, just forget about it. Don't even thank him. I usually erase it from the notes. That's why they keep forgetting. <laughs> Somehow I didn't have control of the notes today. So uh, thank you, you fuck. <laughs> there we go. There's the love. Tony is awesome. And everybody go give uh, Restrained a listen. Great band. They do a good job. Um, please try them out. Tell us what you think. Um, and uh, Tony, again, we appreciate it. So uh, we found out how we're doing. Um, let's talk about last uh, last month's episode, right? What did we do? Yeah, we did uh, Van Halen OU812, polarizing album. Um, you know, people enjoy the episode, you know. The crowd seems to love this. I think polarizing albums get, you know, get, you know, some involvement because it's not like, oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Kind of like this episode could potentially be polarizing as well because we all know how certain certain people feel about grunge. and uh, But I, I think Soundgarden and Chris Cornell are, you know, genuinely liked by many people. At least respected. Correct. Yep. I would say respected, liked by some. Like yeah. it's uh, it's kind of weird because some of the guys that don't like grunge, and I only like about twenty percent of it, too. Um, if if Soundgarden connected them to the '80s stuff they were listening to, and it was like the next evolution, then like me, you're kind of into it. If they kind of saw Soundgarden as well, you killed the music I was listening to, then they're they just labeled them as grunge and they weren't into it at all. Might as well be disco or rap or whatever else. Doesn't matter to them. Since right. it's grunge and it's not eighties, I ain't listening. Kind of thing. Right. Yeah, and the timeline's interesting because OU eight one two came out in eighty eight. Now we're veering into the mid er, mid nineties. So you know, uh, yeah, this is our first. You know, this is our first non you know classic hard rock album that we're venturing into. So I, I have a feeling it probably won't be the last. Yeah, and um, a little bit different from the last few albums we've done. Um, especially, uh, I would say like the popish kind of Van Halen stuff that was going on. Happy go lucky music of feels so good. Right. Of OU812. Uh, I thought that we got uh, a lot of different opinions about the songs. We had, uh, uh Daryl Alber who does a lot of the marketing and, uh, social media content for Pantheon podcast took a nice clip and, and and spiced it together of Sonny saying pure pop perfection. And then Tommy like this song sucks. <laughs> and I thought it was perfect. This is why we do these type of episodes to have different opinions. We're not one of these. Hey, it's the fucking circle jerk room. Hey, what do you think of this song? Oh, it's the best. What are you? Hey, this is awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. What's the next song? Oh, I love this too. I like that you guys differ. And I know I differ from both of you guys. Me and Tom always differ, but it was great. And I thought that kind of shined uh, this time. I, I usually go with more um, with uh, Tom in some of his opinions, even though we don't agree on much, but this time I was more with Sonny and Tom was further away from us. Think of the songs that we picked as our favorites, right? Yeah. And Tom was just wrong. That's basically, that's what it was. Tom was wrong and we were right. I I think I had one or two people in my corner agreeing that sucker in a three piece is a fucking great song. (laughs) 
So one or two out of 350 million. And having my own flesh and blood standing there laughing at me when I laid in a puddle of my own blood and piss was awful. I, I, I'm so hurt in my stomach with this. Hey, I'll, t- hey, I'll take that. One or two, that's all I need. I need some validation from some people. But a lot of the things that people said, you know, like Zeus was saying, you know, the feedback was, um, you know, the out al- the album is polarizing. But I think one thing that one common thread that everybody agreed on was it's, you know, Sammy just sounds unbelievable on the album. Whether or not people actually liked the the actual songs was, uh, you know, a different story for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think we I saw one comment that said, you guys are doing a Van Halen album and you picked this shit. <laughs> that's exactly but like zeus but like zeus said how easy would it have been to do the debut album or van halen 2 or you know that the, i mean eventually i mean hope you know we'll get to those but we wanted to start mixing up a little bit you know we started off with appetite for destruction we did slide it in so let's let's shake it up a little bit and, and get some differing opinions and you know um these are albums that we love maybe some of us love them or like them a little bit different you know like like super unknown so yeah, exactly. I thought it was a great pick, Sonny. It wasn't the slam dunk. Hey, tell us what you think of Van Halen 1. Um, although we might get to it, I'm right. just saying. <laughs> I thought it was nice to change it up and to give you guys um, kind of an understanding how we're thinking. We're not going to just give you the slam dunks. We're going to go off track a little bit. Who knows what we might come up with? And hence our first grunge album today. Um before we do get into the album, though, um, anything going on in the music world other than everything being canceled and everybody staying at home? Uh, there's some people doing some streaming, right? I saw the Eclipse stream. It was cool. Uh, just saw a Sammy thing. They did uh, Won't Get Fooled Again. They ran like a two-minute clip. It was pretty cool. Uh, some of them are doing it professional. A- Aaron Lee from Y&T just did a, an hour the other day. Uh, some are doing professional. Some are doing, you know, via iPhone and trying to make it look as professional as possible. Some just turn their iPhone on and go. Um, but but uh, I'm enjoying some of it. Did you pay $10,000 like BB did to stream a video? Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't because I don't need bearded Zach, like, you know, tugging at me from under the table because I'm assuming that's what the $10,000 <laughs> is for. How much would you be willing to pay for a 90-minute stream of your favorite band? This Saturday night. Uh, I don't even know. I don't, ten grand. Ten grand. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> no, it is. It is. We've we've talked about it before on our on our Kiss episodes. Um, you know, everybody you know has seen the the Paul Stanley, the Bruce Kulick videos. But like Sonny said, you know, this this is the only way for these bands to kind of stay. I don't want to say stay relevant. That's probably strong language, but for, for them to continue to interact with their fans and let their fans know that, Hey, we're still here. You know, we love you guys. We're going to do the best that we can to try to keep you guys entertained, give you something. I, you know, I'm friends with some people on Facebook that are um, big uh, pop or country music fans. And some of those artists are doing, you know, in home little performances. So, you know, I mean, it's the best we're going to get right now. Um, You know, unfortunately, everybody is communicating via Skype or Zoom. Uh, You know, my wife the other night was all of her, all of her lady friends from college had a huge Zoom little reunion. You know, it's the only way to, it's the only way to do it. You know, and I know we got together the other night with a bunch of guys on Skype and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the way we got to do it until further notice. Yeah. um, 
we while we have Sonny here, and, I mean, I just thought of this. Um, uh, we, uh, uh, me and Tommy, are apologizing by the absolutely brutal taking you've been getting shit for for a lot of the questions you posed on our couple previous episodes ago as our game show host. So anything you want to say in your defense, Sonny? I apologize for any angst I may have caused you, said the listener. Um, no, you know, when you're making up the game shows and uh, anybody who's done it, you know, Aaron Camaro does it on Decibel Geek, you know, Dylan does it on Potter Than Hell. You're trying to come up with these questions and you don't, I don't super know all the players. Like if, if it was just me and Tone and a couple of our friends, I know exactly what they know. So I know where I can go with it. So you're trying to put it together. And you're like, man, I don't want it to be so easy to get it on the second clue. So then you start spinning off that. And before you know it, because you've been working on it, it seems simple to you <laughs> until you share it with somebody. Until you share it with somebody. And one of the questions is, I share a birthday with Mandy Moore. The month and the year that Mandy Moore was born was very important to me. Are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like how the fuck would guys on a kiss podcast know mandy moore's birthday but that being said that being said it was a ton of fun i think Absolutely. I, th I think the fact that the questions were kind of all over the place made it like fun like it was just it was entertaining for sure um i like that somebody else gets more shit than i get sometimes from the feedback <laughs> so i i kind of i'm serving this one up right now but I'm going to add to that because we also did our KISS um, uh, quarantine house. And I want to bring this point up. So I put you, because you're the ace guy of the group here, um, in that house with ace. And, and who was it? <laughs> Somebody said, I want to be in the house with Sonny the Chimp. <laughs> I, I and me that, and Tom were like, one. somebody called him a monkey or a chimp, and I thought about it, and I looked it up, and I was correct. It's Sonny the Chimp. They thought it was Sonny the Chimp from the Exposed video that yep. supposedly, and because I Googled it, and then somebody wrote, and it was, I don't know if it was a Reddit or something, somebody asked this question, like, <laughs> clueless kiss man. Hey, whatever happened to Paul Stanley's best friend? The monkey Sonny, you know, <laughs> like not his fucking best friend. I forgot about that. That is that is unbelievable. Oh my god. Oh god. Going to the beach. Uh -huh. You taking Sonny? Do you remember that little monkey hole scene? Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Yeah, oh but I but I I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had cool, I, there was no way I would have remembered that his name was Sonny until it was <laughs> until we figured it out. He, I thought he called him Sonny Crockett, and he had like a little Miami Vice. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. Yeah. <laughs> somebody, somebody thought that's who it was in the house. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Um oh, but Jesus. as bad as you, you got shit from that, uh this week's episode that just played, you got another couple jabs <laughs> from our friend. And and I I, I have to be take responsibility. I set these things up for him. Uh, and I'm just always like, uh, so we, we lost some of the audio, unfortunately. And I could have just let it be, but I know that some of the audio was lost. 
when he had said something about you, Sonny. So before we ended the episode with Jericho, I had to say again, hey, anything last say to our friend Sonny Pooney? <laughs> so here's your response, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Jericho and I have never met. Um, I, I thought it was funny. I thought yeah. it was absolute hilarity. Shit. They just vote for me to get me to the finals and then blow me away. I'm good with that. I'm good with being number two. I don't care. Um, but no, it was hilarious. I'm like, Jericho, I've done nothing to you. What's wrong with you? You fuck. <laughs> it's now it's now such like such a, an imaginary love hate relationship. It's just it's just entertaining now. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I'm gonna hug him the minute I if I ever meet him, I'm just gonna go up without even saying anything and just bear hug him and then whisper in his ear, "I'm fucking Sonny Pooney." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but he sells that shit like these imaginary wars, like yeah. he did in that clip of the Vanguard one where he's fighting with the fucking uh, the drone, <laughs> the drone and shit. So now you're like his. Imaginary uh, enemy in this fake fucking cold war you got going on. I just think it's hilarious. The biggest pumpkin headed dipshit I've ever met in my life. And uh, yeah, for people out there, no, they don't know each other. He's just joking. He doesn't hate Sonny, but I just think it's funny that this thing keeps going on and on. Anyways, um, but, you know, speaking since we're talking to like the horniest man we know, um, anything you want to talk about today, right now, Sonny? Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. Enter promo code LOUDCAST to check out and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies, plus Free shipping. That's promo code LOUDCAST at adamandeve.com. Excellent. But I think we need to clarify for the listeners, because I, I know Sonny was upset about this. Those aren't VHS videos from the 80s that Adam <laughs> and Eve is giving you. You know, I think these are like real, you know, updated. You know, I, I, I don't know if they have a back catalog, you know, where you can go into their storeroom and pull out those 1982 videos that you like to watch on your VCR. <laughs> where those scenes repeat. And repeat and repeat. To make it, you don't remember to, that? To make to make it look like the guy's lasting a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, nineteen ninety one. Uh, I went to Montreal with Hey Frobo. Oh, we come back, and we're in a porn place in Montreal, which we don't. I don't know. I'm eighteen, nineteen years old then. Didn't have capability doing there. I see because I could only think of names. A fucking video with like the biggest fucking cock just hanging out of it. The title says John Holmes Greatest Hits. You remember this? Oh god. I'm like, I gotta get this. I get it. And then all the parents had come. It was like football weekend or something. Do you remember in the hallway? Yeah. And I like I think because I think I'm funny and this amuses me. I take the cover off. I remember. And I just throw it in the fucking hallway. All the parents walking by. They only see this, this box with John Holmes' big dick. John Holmes' greatest hits. Honey, why is your video here? I thought we left that at home. 
And I'll oh, never forget that shit. We were all watching it and the scenes, and then it's like, <laughs> I was drunk off of cock. Well, that's a Tracy Lord special one. Let's not get into that. That'll be our bonus episode for next month. We'll break down some classic videos. Oh, my God. Wow. Do you remember that? That was in that video. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, wow. Stay on target. Oh, good. I can't maneuver. Stay on target. We're too close. Stay on target. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I got to write the clip. Um. So, circling back, steering the car. Okay, let's talk about uh, Super Unknown. Um, so, this was my pick. Um, I chose this one because it has a special... Special what? Um, ...place. And um, for me, because during college, where I... What I got, how I got this album, and we always talk about where we our first interaction with the song or an album. Um, I went with, I think it was Tom and who else was it? You went, you went with me. Go ahead. Okay. Um, and we went to Harvard square. Was that where we went or was it down Boston downtown crossing or something? I think it might've been downtown Boston. It would have one of those, uh, one of those places like planet records or nuggets or one of those used, like yeah. where you could get like, like before stuff was released to the masses or maybe like a bootleg version or whatever. But we used to go into Boston and Harvard square all the time for those. Yeah. And I got what is the promotional, uh, copy of that CD. It had just come out. Um, you know, at this point, Nirvana's Nevermind's been out, Pearl Jam, Core, all these things have been out. I already had Bad Motor Finger, so I already knew Soundgarden was. Uh, I bought this thing. I immediately fell in love with it. Um, it, you know, quickly became on my five-disc player that I was cranking. So gone are, I don't know what I had back then, um, uh, bon Jovi, whatever, and all the other CDs, and all of a sudden goes in my five-disc changer, um, you know, super unknown, purple, uh, never mind, um, uh, Alice in Chains, Sap, or uh, Jar of Flies, and I don't know, Siamese from uh, Siamese Dream, Smash, yeah, from yep. from uh, Smashing Pumpkins. Well, what was the other one? I think maybe oh, the single soundtrack. I think that's what was rotating in our yep. in my changer back then. Absolutely, and um. Yeah, that was that was what was going on back then. This brooding, depressing music, and it it kind of was. This album really exposed me even more to you know this is it. This is the change. This is what we're listening to now. This is what we're looking forward to getting when the albums come out. I'm not looking for a poison album. I'm looking for this. This is Kissel. So you guys want to tell us a little bit about your first take with this album? Yeah. So like, like Zeus said, my first experience with this album was with Zeus when we got that, that promo copy and we put it in. And this was back in the old days when you would get a CD and you would just sit there and, and listen to it. And, and I remember, cause like Zeus said, 94, we were already knee deep in the grunge movement. We, you know, we were all over it. Um, we had Bad Motor Finger. That was like the first kind of breakthrough album for Soundgarden. I know they had albums before that, but they were still kind of underground, kind of a little bit, uh, you know, I don't even think they were really considered grunge at that time. Bad Motor Finger put them on the map without Shine and Rusty Cage. And, you know, we were into that. And then you hear Sound, you hear Super Unknown, and you could just tell the difference in uh, 
arrangement, production, content, lyrics, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it just became a staple. I mean, you know, you're talking 26 years later and the album is just friggin' amazing. I mean, we're going to get into it track by track. And we, we understand that grunge. The problem I have with grunge is that a lot of these bands cannot get out of that grunge description, whereas hair bands can kind of overflow into classic hard rock, classic metal. You know, you hear people call Def Leppard a hair band or Guns N' Roses a hair band or Bon Jovi is a hair band, but they're still 80s rock. For some reason, these bands cannot get out of that shell of grunge. And, you know, I guess it is what it is, the nature of the music. You know, you can't really super unknown or grunge in general, but especially this album. This is not the kind of album that you're going to throw on in the middle of a party or you know, when I go out, when I go outside in the in the summer and I'm doing yard work, you know, I'm probably going to throw on Appetite for Destruction before I throw on Super Unknown. Um, that being said, it's it's to me and especially for for Zeus and I and our college friends, we started college in the fall of '91, a month after Pearl Jam's Ten came out. So we were we were there for the birth. We lived with grunge, and uh, this is one of those albums that just very important to us, and I still love it to this day. Yeah, I'm a big believer that, you know, that whole high school, early college is kind of your bang zone for music. So if you think about it, if that year was 84 for you or 88 for you or 93 for you, in that 10 years, music changed big time, right? It went from like Rebel in 84 to Decadence in 88 to, hey, you know, it's not easy being a fucking teenager in 93, right? So all three connected in a weird way. For me, I'm a little older than you guys, so I remember when I first saw the Man in the Box video, I'm like, okay, I really like that, but that ain't what I was listening to. Uh-oh. Like, uh, <laughs> music's about to change. This is going to be a problem, because by the time 91 comes around, my music is starting to die off, because I graduated in 86, right? So I'm in the middle of this decadence thing, and I'm in California. So grunge, even though you would think, well, it's a West Coast thing. Uh, something happens in Seattle, it doesn't happen in California. That That's not how it works out, right? We were still living decadence while that shit was going on in Seattle. Um, and same thing for me. I loved Outshined. The minute I heard Cornell's voice, I'm like, oh, man, I am a sucker for a powerful, emotional voice. I am a sucker for that. And you add some melody to it, oh, fuck, I'm in. So, like, Outshined and Jesus, Jesus Christ pose, since we're on Easter Sunday, um, was two of my favorites. So when when this album came out, I got it the week it came out. I got to, I only like about twenty percent of grunge though. I mean, my go tos are Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, and Soundgarden because it was the closest to what I was listening to. I cannot stand Nirvana. Pearl Jam is a close Ooh. second. Cannot stand those two guys because it it goes from this sludgy Sabbath kind of sounding guitar rock. To just depress and jump off a fucking bridge shit. I just can't do it. Yeah, Pearl Jam and Nirvana, I know they were considered grunge, but they're very, very different than Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Alice in Chains and Soundgarden are born out of metal, you know, or sludgy hard rock. Pearl Jam and Pearl Jam is born out of classic rock with a little bit of art rock later on with some alternative infusion. And, and, there's, and there's obviously some of that with Soundgarden. But the, but the the DNA in Alice in Chains and Soundgarden is like 
as metal pretty much, you know, and that's why you hear a lot of people say what you just said, Sonny, you know, I love Alice in Chains. I love Soundgarden. Some of the other bands don't do it for me. You know, Nirvana is born out of a punk aesthetic. So it, it it's different, but they all got thrown into that melting pot of grunge and it allows you to kind of pick and choose what you want. Yeah. I, I'm for me, this listening to this album and I, I told you guys before I had done the, um, Cobras and Fires sidecast with Baco, and he's doing a top 25 uh, list of the Rolling Stones' greatest grunge albums. And, you know, Rolling Stone picking albums of anybody's taste is just garbage in and of itself. But it's it's still giving some light to some of those albums. But, you know, they just think way too hard in such pretentious fucking list. But um, for me, I got back into it. And I'm like, and I remembered why I've been, you know, I was such a huge fan. Uh, I, you lose it, you know, since we started our kiss podcast, I've been listening to you guys, um, you know, on growing up rock. I listened to the guys in Potter than hell. It's all back to that metal stuff that I was listening to those bands. I fell in love with junior high and high school, but this era does not get discussed much, does not have a lot of podcasts about it because, you know, it's just like one of those things that, uh, what was that awful, <laughs> very liberal radio, Air America. Oh, yeah. People don't want to hear people just bitching about shit all the time. And and I feel like if you listen to it, it's like that you can't talk about it without being like, yeah, this is where he sings about suicide. This is where he talks about this. Yeah, I know those are themes, but you can still talk about it in a positive light. Um, and I think it just, there's so much, it's so easy to just say, oh, that's just depressing shit. Oh, that's fucking awful. And just wrap it up in there. But it's not. It's still the music. It's just like Kiss. Oh, Kiss is silly. Kiss is does uh It's still the music. How does it make you feel? I, I, that's how I feel about this stuff. And for me, this album is... You know, it's still one of my favorite albums of all time, any genre. And listen, listening to this album, you know, like we like whenever we do an album review, whether it's this or Kiss or whatever, you know, I've been spending so much time every time I go for a run for the last week or two, I've just been listening to this <clears throat> and paying close attention to not just the music, which we all know, but listen to the lyrics and the album, you know, at the, at the risk of sounding a little bit melodramatic, the album is so much more haunting knowing what Chris Cornell did and those feelings and emotions w have been with him since day one when you listen to the lyrics you listen to the topics of these songs and it just makes it so much more chilling to hear especially when there is a song on this album called like suicide um it just adds a different kind of experience for me listening to the album um you know but that being said you know it, it's it, to me it's a fantastic re record um and I think I think like Zeus said, nobody talks about this. I think grunge when you when you take a when you take a, a genre like hair metal grunge, you know, grunge kind of fell off the map. Not necessarily, in my opinion, because people got sick of the of the tone or the lyrics, etc. I think it's the same thing that happened with with hair bands. You had all these nickel and dime bands ripping off, trying to sound like Eddie Vedder, trying to sound like Kurt Cobain. All these one hit wonders, you know, they were releasing CDs, and I think people were like, all right, we get it. It's the same thing that happened with, with, in my opinion, with hair bands, like. All right, I get it. We don't need to hear Vinnie Vincent Invasion. We don't need to hear Pretty Boy Floyd anymore. You know, these it all started with bands that had something to say, and now it just became, you know, rote. I mean, for us, listening to the the Boston rock stations, it's like this doesn't sound like Pearl Jam. Oh, but it's like a Pearl Jam ripoff, and 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 I, it kind of just sunk. It sinks those those niche genres. 
but albums like this survive because they are such high quality in my opinion yeah to me it had a clock anyway because i think the difference between wanting to be a rebel and wanting that life of decadence that was the 80s and you're listening to and it's fun this stuff is like okay well i feel like this sometimes and they're connecting with the way i feel but i go to music to forget about that shit Right, so this stuff had a clock on it anyway, and has a time and place. And like you said, it ain't getting played. The Spoonman might get played at a party, but nothing else on this is getting played at a party. Right, and, and yeah. for the and for, go ahead, Zeus. Sorry, no, no. I was just gonna say, Tom. It was you know well said what you were saying. Well said. What makes this more haunting? It's not as obvious as Kurt Cobain. You know, no, I don't have a gun, right. and then in the height of his popularity, he kills himself in a suicide. What makes this haunting is that we forgot about a lot of this stuff. And we pick up this album 10 years later and we re listening to it and being like, Holy shit. Way back then there are signs. We didn't think of the signs back then, but, and he was obviously not writing to be like, all right, I had a great day, but okay, let me think of something negative. I mean, there are so many parts of this part of this album where he's talking about something, but then his mind, like, it can go away from you like that. Like, you don't want to be depressed, but you're having a great time and a great life, and then all of a sudden it fucking hits you. And there are theories, and there's, and there's um, uh, you know, interviews. If you look back, if a lot of the interviews, he talks about it constantly. It's like... It's almost like he's giving you hints where he's just constantly saying, yeah, um, you know, life is great. You know, it sucks about Kurt. It sucks about what's his name from um, his buddy from uh, Temple of the Dog. Um, oh, and, and Andy Wood from Mother Love yeah. Bone. And just talks about this stuff. And then all of a sudden he comes and he and he talks about the real struggle. And then obviously he succumbed to it. Um, yeah, and, and I think too I, bad. I think you bring up a good point, too. I think not that this makes it better or not that it may, not that this is something that you should be striving for. But this album is authentic. This isn't oh, absolutely. Some, this isn't someone trying to be a downtrodden and depressed grunge '90s band to sell records. I, I think I think this is Chris Cornell like opening up a fucking vein for 15 songs on an album right here and like pouring it all out with the band. You know? Yeah. Uh, and you know the other kind of elephant in the room is if you think about it. All those bands that I mentioned to you that I would put on that five-disc changer. Uh, Temple of the Dog, lead singer, gone. Stone Temple Pilots, probably my favorite of all the bands back then. Scott Weiland, gone. Nirvana, my co-favorite, Kurt Cobain, gone. <laughs> Alice in Chains, <laughs> Lane Staley, gone. Gone, right? Yep. Um, I know we're missing somebody else. Uh, Blind Melon, Shannon yep. Hoon, Sh- right? Shannon Hoon, gone. 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 When you wake in the morning, gone. When you find that there's no one sleeping, gone. Um, I mean, think about the big four. A gone, gone. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's insane. That's that's like I don't know. Paul Stanley, David Lee Roth, and all these guys dying at the same time. Uh, that's insane. So yep. the music also died. Look, after a while. Years is what kills music People change Trends change So Pearl Jam is not doing 10 part 2 They've changed But they're the only ones still around So yeah the music kind of died Who else is going to be playing That type of style of music Well, the All thing, the lead it, singers are gone 
and the th- and the thing about Pearl Jam, and and that's why Pearl Jam is much much different than these bands because those guys, nobody in that band, and if they did, they kept it secret. Nobody in those no, nobody in those band and Pearl Jam w- was at the time had a had a problem with heroin, had a problem with with you know with I mean Lane Staley. I mean, God damn, you think Super Unknown is a bad depressing? I'm go listen to Dirt by Alice in Chains. You may be addicted to heroin by the time you get to the last track on that album. <laughs> I mean that's brutal, but per, but Pearl Jam Pearl Jam is that's why I put them aside. They're 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 more in the classic rock band type of thing that came that was born out of grunge. But that that you know Eddie Vedder, I mean for all of his all of his issues, I mean that, that guy's he's a musician, he's an artist, he's a lyricist. You know, not to saying that Chris Cornell isn't, but I think a lot of these bands used their music to deal with their addiction and to deal with their depression and to deal with their mental health. And it, unfortunately, it got to the point where. The music wasn't enough, you know. Even with all that, they got better using plastic utensils now. He's been using yep. like plastic forks and knives. He's wrapped in bubble wrap just in case. He's the last of a dying few. It's but true. The other it's part true. Of it is, uh, like he, Jeff Ament is like probably even though Eddie Vedder is the lead singer and face, Jeff Ament kind of runs Pearl Jam, and yeah. he is probably one of the happiest go lucky grunge yeah. era type people. Yep. So I think that kind of helps the band. Yeah. Um, Mike McCready's a little bit, whatever. Stone Gossard, I mean, there um, there's a few. I think was it Stone Gossard that had the drinking problem? One of them did, but yeah. regardless, oh, the drummer did too as well when they booted his ass out. But they're not crazy heroin addicts. Oh, no. the other one still around is um, what's his name there? Smashing Pumpkins. Um, I'm Billy, Co- like, Billy Coogan. Yeah, he's the only one still too alive. But he fucking went off the deep end. Last thing I knew, he was in fucking TNA wrestling, being becoming like a wrestling promoter. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. But Pearl Jam, like, but like you said, like Mike McCready, great guitar. I mean, he's 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 an Ace Freely fan. He likes Kiss. Like, yeah, you know. And 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 you know. And speaking of the band, speaking of Pearl Jam, you know, we'll get into this. But Matt Cameron, longest tenured drummer in the history of Pearl Jam, is the drummer on Super Unknown. Absolutely, he contributed a lot Talk about real quick the uh, album cover Okay So the lyrics are in here, which is great Mine's the promotional CD Yep Um, It has, you know, each page is nice This is why I love CDs This is why I don't want to download shit And, you know, looking this over Taking a look at each Each, like, um, song has its own kind of page Dark foreboding like image in the background Lyrics who's written by It's just interesting The front Is something a picture called Screaming Elf cover It's a distorted photo Of the band with an upside down Burning fire And if you notice The drummer got cropped out of the photo He's not even in on this Yep Um, So I don't know. It, it, it's interesting, but you know, now it's iconic. But it it wasn't something that I'm like, oh my god, this is insane. No, it and, fits it, what you're about to hear, though. It totally fits what you're about to hear. Yep. There's no doubt about it, right? I mean, if if they would have had a a naked lady with stars on her nipples, you know, yep. dancing, it wouldn't have been the same, right? So, yeah, a black and a black and white cover with an upside down burning forest with the lead singer screaming. You you the, the, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know, and Cor- and Chris Cornell even says about the, about the cover. He says, you know, super unknown relates to birth in a way, being born or even dying, getting flushed into something that you know nothing about. The hardest thing to nail down a visual image to put on a title like that, 
first thing we thought of was a forest in gray or black. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he, he also says that the, uh, the inspiration for the title of the album came from him when he misread a video. There was a video yeah. called Super Clown. <laughs> yeah, let me speak to Sparky. Hey, Sparky, Sparky the Clown. How you doing, Fruitcake? No, not too bad. Who's this? He said, I thought, it was a, I thought it was a cool title. I never heard it before. Never saw it. And it inspired me. So yeah, the the album cover, like Zeus said, it's 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 kind of haunting. It's kinda, I mean, we keep using that word, but uh, yeah, it's, so it, it, it's an interesting cover. So Sonny, you don't think that uh, the four members kind of in the exact same getup and look as Asylum would have been a good cover for this album? <laughs> <laughs> Even if you use like in the in the album jacket, it's a it's a picture of the four of them, right? Just a normal band yeah. picture. None of them are smiling or nothing like that. But even that on the front cover wouldn't have worked because you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. It's all distorted and stuff, yeah. which is kind of like makes you think the super unknown, like what the fuck's going on and, you know, all that shit. For for years, uh, and looking at it, it's one of those things like if you see like an image on on Facebook, it's like, you know, once once somebody tells you what the image is, now you can't not see it. But for years, I used to think that this the album cover was Chris Cornell's face in the middle, and then the orange the orange images to the left and to the right of him, which we now know are faces of the band. I used to think that those were Chris Cornell's arms. Same here. In, in, oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was Same flames. Man. Okay, I thought, I thought they it were was flames. his arms up in the air as he was screaming. And when I found out that it was the faces of the band, I was like, no, no, that can't be right. But yeah, how, that's amazing. How could it be his arms? What's his uh, his left arm is like a stump? Well, I thought like, no, they're on I, fire. I thought they were like his arms on fire. I like, thought it, oh. I thought like right right now we're an audio podcast, but right now I have my <laughs> arms up. I thought it was like him just kind of flailing his arms as he was screaming. Yeah. No, you know? I, I same thing. But his arms were like like he was like melting, like the guy yeah. from fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yep. Yep. So that's what I thought. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Now, um, let's get into a little bit of the facts on this album. 
Okay. So recorded July through September of 1993, released March 8th, 1994. Think about a month after Kurt Cobain died. A month before Kurt Cobain month, died. Exactly. Yep. He died April 94. Yep. Yeah. Um, it was uh, produced by Michael Beanhorn, if I'm saying it right, and yep. Soundgarden. And the producer um, had done like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Soul Asylum, Hole, Ozzy, Violent Femmes, yep. The Cult. Um, it was mixed by Brendan O'Brien, who's done everything during that era, who produced my favorite album there by STP, Purple. Um, and he did a lot of Pearl Jam stuff. Absolutely. And he was brought in because Jeff Ament t- recommended him uh, to bring yep. in uh, like some fresh air. Uh, ears to listen to um oh no actually stone gossard stone gossard yeah yep. i take that back uh recommended to bring in some fresh ears to, to see something different you know to hear something open your fucking ears jackass and apparently he did a, such a good job and they commend him as, as usual um it debuted at number 1 they released five singles spoonman black hole sun um the day i tried to live um, uh, my wave. fell on black days and yep. my wave. Right, yep. those yep. are the five singles. That wasn't chronological. I think Spoonman and Black Hole Sun won Grammys. Mm-hmm. Um, the album went on to sell, uh, become platinum five times. Nine million albums sold worldwide. It's number nine on Rolling Stone shit list of fifty greatest grunge albums. Uh, fifteen songs, seventy minutes long. Just like we need, Tom, another fucking 70-minute, 15-long uh, album review. This is um, Soundgarden's Hot in the Shade. <laughs> uh, no. no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, and uh, they kept the 15 songs because Chris Cornell said he didn't want to fight about what they had to cut. They should have um, fought some. <laughs> I, I, I agree, and we'll get they to that, They should have fought. Yeah, I, you could have got this down to 10. Um, no. it, there's a lot. You know, if you listen to the earlier stuff, as Tom mentioned, there were more hard rock metal type and this is a little bit more you know experimental um you know less punk and metal but a little bit more pop and psychedelic they were saying um there's different influences in there there's beatles influence indian middle eastern um i think some zeppelin stuffers in there um you know and they alternative they use um some experimental sounds in the tuning and the way the instruments were played, the lyrics, the lyrics are dark, mysterious, uh, substance abuse, suicide, depression, revenge, annihilation, seclusion, fear, loss, death, discovery. Um, All the good so, stuff to play at a party. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything that uh, Kiss albums are about. Well, Carnival of Souls, baby. <laughs> well so, said. W- so one thing about this album, and we talked about this when we talked about OU812, Van Halen how Sammy carries that album a lot. This album right here would be impossible to exist with any other vocalist other than Chris Cornell. These songs would not be able to exist because the combination of the musicianship, the songwriting, the format of the songs, the production, Chris Cornell is just mind blowing on this album. This is his this is his the, the the peak of him, I think. 
And another thing, I'm a huge fan of Kim Thale. I think he's a tremendously underrated guitarist. And it brings to me what I talked about, how grunge gets stuck in that in that category. You can take 80s hair bands and talk about those guitarists and put them up against some of the best. You know, oh, George Lynch. Yeah, he was in Dawkin. But he's amazing. No one is going to say, oh, Kim Thale. He's, well, yeah, but he's in Soundgun. That's a grunge band. Yeah, they, but he and, was also in Witchboard as the murderer of Malfay. <laughs> yeah, God. That's who he looks like because he, he does bug me. Like, who the fuck? Why is he so scary to me? Yep. That's who he looks like, except he doesn't have as much white in his beard. Carlos Malfader was a fairly notorious mass murderer in his day. He killed nine people, chopped them all up with an axe. Yep. You remember that, that movie? Oh, absolutely. Who yeah. was in that, Sonny? No clue. Tony Katane. You he was. was. You never was? seen Witchboard? No, Witchboard. I've seen the movie. She was in the movie. She's the main character. Yeah, I don't remember that. Then I maybe I saw the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, the the axe murderer that came back from the dead, Malfader. That's Kim Thay. <laughs> and then and then we talked about and then we talked about Matt Cameron. Um, you know, who's now gone on to be you know after Soundgarden he left and be, he's he's still the drummer of Pearl Jam. I mean, he's fantastic on this too. It just, this is a really, I mean, this album deserves the accolades that it get because it's the musicianship, the songwriting, the perform. It's it's a really well put together album. Whether or not you're a fan of grunge, that's that's you to decide. But you know, this is a this is a Mount Rushmore grunge album, and and the fact that it's only number seven on yeah, Rolling Stone's exactly. list is 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 embarrassing. Is embarrassing. This should be top three or four at least. Did you say Mount Rushmore? Oh, we got a lot of pain coming. Oh, boy. <laughs> we got a lot of pain coming. But see, this is good. This is good because Zeus and I, we're the grunge people. Sonny, he, he's on record as saying he's not a huge fan uh, all the time. So this is this is going to be good because there's going to be a lot of love and there's going to be a lot of, ugh. So yeah. I'm ready for it. Yeah. So one of the things, and it's going to be a common theme you're going to hear me say, and you're going to be sick of me saying it throughout this album, is Chris Cornell's vocals. He's what I call a phone book singer. Yep. Give him the phone book. He can make it. He can sing it. perfect. He makes a lot of songs that if you put anybody else singing, you'd be like, this song sucks. What the fuck is this? I can listen to it because he makes it just his vocals, that range. There's something about his voice that is that he can go from that monotone to that ah, pit. And, and come right back down to it, not break a stride, nothing. He can take a fucking single word and the syllables in it will have different like octaves all over the place. It, it's um, that's why I'm a, I know you get annoyed by this, Tommy, but it's that's why I like George Jones in country music. He is the George Jones of fucking rock music. He can take a fucking one word that's a sing one syllable word and make it fucking five syllables by the way he sings. It's insane. And it, it makes a, a single sentence that could be a throwaway line to any other musician, and he makes you like, that's my favorite part of the song, because he, the way he sings that. Just yep. listen to Fell on Black Days, and we'll get to that. Yep. Just one little hiccup in the voice that he does, it's like, oh my God, it gives me chills. It's fucking insane. He's out of this world, and this album cements it for me and you're gonna get sick of me talking about the vocals but no it's okay i had to say it um but anything else you guys want to say about the era the music the album anything before we get started no let's get into the tracks all right um so first song here we go 
So let me drown. You know, Cornell is by far the best singer of this era. There is no doubt in my mind. Voice soars. The riff is awesome. Kim's got that slopalicious Ace Frehley kind of solo kind of going on, which is great. I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, uh, okay, I hope the second song's better. You know, this one's okay. Um, hearing it the other day, I'm like, wait a second. It kind of sounds like Vaseline a little bit. Um, it's got kind of that same um, feel. I like pre- the pre- pre-chorus is the best. Uh, I like the breakdown. There's a lot of stuff going on. The stuff's not exactly stripped down. But I remember thinking it's an okay opening track the first time I heard it. But, God, I hope the second song's better. Oh, here we go. Here It, it starts with this first song. Here we go. Uh, for, for me, an unbelievably killer opening track. A, a, a killer of an opener. Uh, the riff it just the song just rides along um <clears throat> chris cornell was saying that he that they they needed a song that was a mid tempo uh riff based song um you know they they wanted to add something to their set list to their live shows that would be kind of a, an exciting song and uh they came up with let me drown and i i think it's just I, it, to me, it's one of the it's one of the standouts on the album. Um, I, I I just love it. And again, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna try to not be a broken record here, but it's a song where just Cornell takes it into another level. You know, song was written uh, music and lyrics by Chris Cornell alone. Um, again, uh, I'm gonna echo Tom. Uh, vocals stand out. Um, the drums. This is what um, yep. one of the part of this album, like rediscovering it and listening to it with headphones on a little closer. Uh, Matt Cameron's awesome. Damn, is he awesome. And he starts off strong with this. It's a driving, rocking kind of song. The screaming vocals at the bridge and that nasty guitar solo there. Yep. It, it is a kind of a kick-ass way to start it. And it's a little bit what reminds me of the old Soundgarden. Yes. Like on Bad Motorfinger, a little bit Rusty Cage and a little bit, that's what I expected to be getting. Um, the change doesn't happen until a little bit later, but that's kind of what how this album started out. A rocking, driving song. Absolutely. No, let's go. All right. So, um, let's move on to number two.
my wave. Uh, I, I love the verse melody on this. The chorus is a little lazy to me, but I remember the first time hearing it going, okay, here we go. And, uh, you know, to me, the song's like a, basically about you fuck off and you know what, I'll, I'll kind of let you, that kind of thing, uh, which is cool. I'm a huge Richie Kotzen fan. And when Cornell died, there was talks about Richie taking over for Soundgarden. I can hear him doing this song. Wow. I can't hear him doing some other songs because Richie has that voice but he doesn't, he's better stripped down a little bit. The, all this stuff that's going on, Richie's voice would be kind of lost in this. And I think he's got the same uh, tone to his voice. He probably doesn't have the same power that Cornell has. So, um, but I, this is why I can kind of picture Richie singing this one. In my opinion, this song should end at like 345, right? But you got, hey, we're grunge. We, we can't do that. You know, the person hasn't jumped off the bridge yet. Like, we got to keep going. You know, I, <laughs> you could cut a minute and a half off this song. Yeah, you could probably do that with a lot of the songs on on this particular album. But th- th- this is a great. This is pr- this is uh, Soundgarden. You know, uh, attempting to kind of appease appeal to the masses. Uh, it's got a little bit of a pop sensibility that you might not see all the time with Soundgarden. Um, Cornell says he. I, I don't really remember exactly where the phrase "keep it off my wave" came from. Um, he said there was a band called the Surf Punks, and they had a, a line in a song where it said "keep off off my beach, off my beach." So. He said, reduce the attitude of a surfer to that simplicity. That's kind of what he was thinking. Um, I, I, I think it's I think it's a good song. Um, I think the, like Sonny said, the chorus gets a little bit lazy, but uh, the, the verse parts um, are great. It's got an interesting, it's got an interesting beat to it uh, during those, during those verses. Uh, but yeah, good song for me. Yeah. Again, this was written, the lyrics by Chris Cornell, but it was written with Kim Thale. The music. Mm-hmm. So the two of them did that. Uh, the drums again are solid. Something that I also want to jump on. Um, you're right, t- Sonny, about keep it off my way. Like, leave that bullshit off of me. Don't don't bring that shit to me. Uh, in the video, have you ever, remember the video? Yep. He's actually smiling. I, I'm like, oh, shit, he's actually a happy guy. Um, you know, and uh, also, you know, don't piss on my gate. Yeah, I love that yep. shit. Yep. Um, there's a lot of anecdotal, like kind of shit. It's um, that he does in a lot of this album. Hate if you want to hate, you know. Keep to yourself if it makes you brave. Cry if you want to cry. If it helps you see. If it helps, it clears your eyes. Just a lot of stuff that is just. It's clever. It's, it's in my opinion, better written from uh, I see it than a lot of the. Uh, Scott Weiland lyrics where I'm like What the fuck do these words mean They're all in English I can understand every single word I see you put them together in a sentence But this makes no fucking sense to me And you're supposed to guess what they're saying You're like This is you know deep shit But you can understand where he's coming from And a little more so Than um, than Kurt Cobain stuff um, I, I find that shit Fascinating um, You know I just Again, the lyric, the voice. Um, I like how his voice just can effortlessly go up and down. Uh, like in the second verse of the lyrics, it's just you know when he, when he starts doing the hey if you where he's monotone in the first verse. It's just I can't explain. It's just it, it gives me it chills. But how great and how. And how he, he, to me, is a phone book singer. He can sing anything. 
And uh, it's also, if you see that video, it, like Malfader is basically <laughs> barely shown. And I don't blame them because he's a scary looking guy. And God damn it. And the other thing that's a selling point, because we're guys, we can't, we don't usually talk about this. He's a fucking really good looking guy. And you can tell he's a good looking guy. Like, he had also helped sell the band a little bit more too. Chicks dig him, and he obviously a little more as time went on, and he got out of that dirty grunge kind of look. Yep. But you know, he's a good looking, happy guy, and certainly the focal point in any videos we do. Yeah, and and like like Zeus said with the lyrics, <clears throat> this is this is not you know put your hand in my pocket, grab onto my rocket, you know. <laughs> There's a, there's a little bit more there's a little bit more to these lyrics. You know, this is not, you know, wave your panties in the air, lick your lips and shake your hair. It's not happening here. When you spread a little oil, yeah, my blood begins to boil. Right. No, no, no. There's a lot going on here in these songs. Yeah, his his mind isn't getting dirty around 11:30. No, it isn't. Uh-huh. And he's not going to jump in his car and hit the local titty bar. He is not. So, what do we got next? That was just great. Oh, here we go. Next. This uh, album review, you're going to hear me use some acronyms. This one would be AAF, which is awesome as fuck. Um, 
the emotions just are ridiculous. And I, I remember hearing this song again the other day going, fuck, I've been here. Like, it can literally happen to anybody. And uh, I was listening to this uh, Cornell interview back a ways, and he said, no matter how happy you are, you can wake up one day without any specific thing occurring and just be in a darker place. To me, that was always a terrifying thought because that's something, as far as I know, we don't necessarily have control over. And it's crazy that in the end, like, that's what ended up getting him, right? He was supposedly got off stage, was good, was planning his Memorial Day party or something like that, and all of a sudden he's gone, right? That's scary as shit. And uh, I just got chills saying that out loud, actually. Um, And that first line, whatsoever I feared has come to life, like, that's like every anxiety you've ever worried about and your mind goes to a crazy place, like when that shit actually ends up there one day, fuck that scary as shit. And yeah. so I, I love I think the song's great. Yeah, it's a perfectly written song. Um, you know, very different from a lot of that sludgy metal type of stuff that Soundgarden was famous for. You know, <clears throat> Cornell talks about, you know, the song is about realizing that you're unhappy in the extreme, which you know, fell on black days, like Sonny was saying, it's, uh, it, it, and and it's, it's so well-crafted how he can, you know, how will, how will I know, you know, and the way he just screams that, like he's, like he's purging the, those emotions from him as he's singing the song. Um, and, and again, we said it earlier, this is a song that if Chris Cornell's not singing this song, you're not buying it. Him singing it is selling it. Yeah. Um, I can't, I mean, the, the vocals are out of this world. The lyrics are out of this world. Exactly what you said, Sonny. That first line of that song is probably exactly, if you think about it, how he went out. Right? Just fucking guy that always had some mental issues and had some depression issues that he was fighting those demons. He's fighting those demons. And then he's alone in his room and they and they just took him over. And it was gone. Um the video, if you remember the video, that was haunting. That video is awesome. And it looks like how they were, you know, uh, recording that actually album and that song. The lyrics and music alone were Chris Cornell. Um, you know, I have the that emotionless, monotone voice to that extremely passionate voice again. You know, it just goes to his range. That monotone, so you don't lock up something. And then he says... Yeah, you wanted to see flat like that, and then he goes right back down to it. And then again, the the screaming, sure don't mind the change, right? And then back down to well, it fell on like who else can do that shit? Yep. And it and you just and you just riding with that whole it fell on like you just and it the music picks up, the drums are awesome. Um, he almost sings it like a zombie, like he's back into this trance. I, I, you know, it, it's just, and by the way, I always thought it was, she don't mind the change. She don't mind the change. Like, right. Yep. Um, I can't say enough about this. This is why basically number one reason why this album sticks out to me. And, um, I wanted to do this song. Pro- I mean, this album probably because of this song. Um, but let's go to song number four.
So Sludgy Sabbath comes to mind immediately, right? It's got that monster riff. Uh, I love that little high note thing he does in the verse, you know, like, now I want you to receive, right? Like yeah. that, that thing he's doing, uh, which is really cool. You know, the folks that work for me can't listen to this song because, uh, you know, since it's about killing your boss, like yeah. this is this is uh, this is pretty scary shit. I, you know, uh, if you work for me, turn your well, turn it off twenty seconds ago. Actually, um, <laughs> chorus is a little lazy, but I like the vocal out outro thing he does. And there's a few songs on this album where the end is so cool, and this is one of those songs. But uh, I like the song just because it kind of reminded me of Sabbath. Now, there's been times where I'll take some of these slow songs, throw them in audacity and add like 20 to 30% tempo to it to try to speed it up to see how it would sound. It didn't sound, it didn't sound any better. Some songs like sound a little bit better sped up. Uh, this one doesn't, to be honest, it, it is what it is. And it, it's gotta be, I guess as sludgy as it has to be. I thought this song was about Newman. When I saw mailman, <laughs> I just thought it was the Newman. Newman. When you control mail, you control information. All right. All right. All right, you go ahead. You go ahead. You keep it secret. But you remember this. When you control the mail, you control information. <laughs> um, Newman I, is like five years after this, right? Yeah. No, well, no. I just, it's already going. Yeah, yeah. It's going 94. Yeah. There are so many slow and sludgy songs on this album. And for some reason, I don't know why. Maybe it is Chris Cornell. These are the songs I gravitate to on this album. Um, it's just, it like, it's just got Sabbath sludge metal written all over it. Uh, and like Sonny said, you know, Cornell, uh, said, you know, uh, at a concert, this next one's about killing your boss. It's about coming to work early one morning because you have a special agenda and you're going to shoot him in the fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, oh, okay, rewind then. 20 seconds, turn off. Yeah. If right. Right. For me. <laughs> And I mean, you li- you listen to the opening lyric, you know, hello, don't you know me? I'm the dirt beneath your feet. Like, oof, you know what I mean? You know, you know what, what's going right there. You know, I want you to receive, you know, it's, it's pretty dark shit, but uh, I, 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 it's a good, so it's a, it's a good song. Um, lyrics by Chris Cornell, music by Matt Cameron, uh, a Mellotron. I don't know what that is, but Matt Cameron does that. Uh, vocals are insane. You you said the exact same thing. You said the word receive, Sonny. My example was you made me disappear. That's oh, yeah. that's what's called a George Jones. Take oh, that God. fucking word Good and make Lord. it fifteen. Fucking George make it, Jones. Make it fifteen fucking syllables. Shut the fuck up when I praise the greatest country <laughs> singer of all time. Oh my! Anyways, God. Um, the song is kind of plotting. I yeah. love the chorus. I'm the one heading for the bottom. And then the, I'm riding you all the way. That part is nasty. And it makes me think of good old Reverend Wright, Tom. Bill did us just like he did Monica Lewinsky. He was riding dirty. (laughs) (laughs) She was riding dirty. (laughs) This is grungy. Oh, absolutely. This, is, this yeah. is grungy. Vocals insane again. And ah, just unbelievable shit. Let's go to number five. <laughs>
So some people think this song sounds like Black Sabbath, St. Vitus. It's off of Volume 4. I think it sounds like Misty Mountain Hop. It's got the same kind of feel as Zeppelin's okay. Misty Mountain Hop, if you uh, kind of listen to it back to back. Love the verse melody. Chorus, again, a little lazy. But that guitar solo, dude, that Middle Eastern feel in there. The wah pedals, like, getting a workout. Like, Kim brings it. Love the lyrics. I think they're about either self-control or self-discipline. I'm not probably too sure about that, but all that shit's on you. It ain't on me, right? Your self-control is kind of on you, um, no one else, and I love the way the song ends. Like, there, there is a... Uh, this song surprised me, I remember, when I first heard it because I was like, eh, sometimes the title track gets a little crazy from a band because they try too hard to make the title track too cool kind of thing, like, you know, one called Lick It Up. Uh, but oh. anyway, um, I'm sick of that fucking song. But uh, yeah. I really like this song. Yeah, I, this this song is just the the way it, the, it's just perfectly crafted with that little that little riff that's kind of rolling in the background. The thing that sticks out for me on this song, obviously, other than Cornell's lyrics, is uh, we talked about before. Matt Cameron, he is just the, the, his drum beat, and if you pay attention, I'm obsessed with drummers, so I always like picking up on these little things when they're hitting the cymbals or the hi hats. He's riding those those cymbals and those hi hats throughout this, and he's just keeping the song together and. When it the, the bridge when it kicks in right before the chorus when he starts screaming alive in the super unknown, um, th this is just one of the standouts on, on for me. It's just a, a terrific song for me. Um, lyrics by Chris Cornell, music by Chris Cornell and Kim Thale. Uh, again, I had the vocals written down. This is just again you're going to be sick of me saying this. I agree with you about. Um, the drums, but that fail, I did the same thing, Sonny. Uh, the, the solo stands out. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just, again, another one of these well-written, well-done music, lyrics, vocals. All of this stuff is insane. Um, I just like, you know, the other part to this is, is the lyrics and the anecdotes again. If, you know, where he says... Uh, if this doesn't take you down, it doesn't mean you're high. If this doesn't make you free, it doesn't mean you're tied. Sounds like Confucius. Confucius say crowded elevator smell different to midget. Like, yeah. it's just, the lyrics are great. And it just, again, another example of the opposite of our favorite band, Kiss. It's not a... So you been to the market and the meat looks good tonight. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's just a well done song. Yep. So let's um let's move this on to number six.
right. So drums at the end are awesome, and the guitar parts are cool. And I think the song is, what the fuck are you so happy about? Now, you guys don't know this about me. I've never done a drug in my entire life. But if I ever had to listen to this shitty song ever again, I might start shooting heroin. Like Confucius say, how the hell did this song make the album? I do not understand. This song is shit. And Sonny is talking about head down. And it's just... It's just not a good song. Yeah, I, 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 I just don't know how to say it. I mean, I don't know what they were aiming for. I think this is kind of just some of their experimental, psychedelic kind of whatever, uh, whatever the influences are. It's just, um, it's it's just a skip for me. I mean, I did listen to it because I'm like, maybe it goes somewhere. First of all, it's too long. Um, it's just not something that I. It's just this isn't what I want to hear when I listen to Soundgarden. All right, so you both shit on this. This is Head Down, lyrics and music by Ben Shepard. There you go. That's part of the problem. (laughs) Don't let the bassist do anything. We might talk Uh, about that later. um, I have a little rant. uh Uh-oh. Indian type of music in the beginning, right? That little, um, in the falsetto throughout the whole song, right? Yeah. How he sings it. Um, Kind of a depressing, foreboding type of music. Um, Prodding along. Now, I will bring up something that you brought up earlier, son. Like the ending. Cut that shit off. You yep. wonder why this is 70 fucking minutes long. Cut that shit down. You don't need it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's the kind of shit that I see in a concert. It's like, hey, assholes, you could have played three more fucking songs instead of this stupid extra shit that nobody likes. You know what I mean? Uh, that's the crap that annoys me. But I will say this. I like it. Oh and here's God. why I like it. Oh, boy. Jesus, we can't have opinions here. Shut the no. fuck up, the just, two of you. Just hang out. Stop the recording. Stop it right <laughs> remember, now. Remember, I control the editing. Oh, yeah, so Jesus. fuck oh, you. Here we go. So, here we go. He I controls think... information. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when you control the editing, you control the show. So, what I like about this, it, it honestly reminds me of just why I like the album like Purple. Grunge is different. These type of albums are different. You can put on 10 and be in a mood and play that album through. Same thing with Super Unknown. Same thing with um, I Feel Like Purple. Some of the weaker, and I won't call them weaker, but songs I don't like as much, still fit the mood. This still fits the mood. And look, we can't say that. Go put on fucking Poison. And the next song, it like, has nothing to do with the other song. It's all fucking just mishmash. Let's throw this out. This fits the mood. It's a mellow kind of song in the middle of, you know, uh, an album that's all kind of, you know, got this kind of foreboding, lyric, dark type of grungy kind of music. I think this fits. I like it. I'm not going to fucking put this on when I'm having, trying to entertain a, a female. I'm not going to put this on at your birthday party, Sonny. So, uh, but I can listen to the album. And when this comes on, I don't skip it. I like it. There's your poll. Would you rather hear head down or I want action? Let's see what poll wins. Oh, head down. Jesus Christ. Oh, I want, I want action? action the whole way. I want action. Are you serious? It's a Hell great yes. song. That's a fucking great song. All, all night. night. <laughs> I don't know what's song. worse. The lyrics, the look, 
or the vocals. That is horrible shit. I know what's worse. Head down. Oh, oh boy. Terrible. Terrible opinion. Take that poison shit and fucking and throw it into the ocean. All right. Let's go to the next one. Beinhorn, Beinhorn, whoever the hell his name is, told Cornell to listen to Frank Sinatra for doing the vocal. I don't hear it. I don't think Chris did his homework. Uh, uh, and supposedly Cornell was listening to the news and he thought he heard Black Cole's son, but that isn't exactly what the person was saying. So that's where the title came from. Song's probably about 60 to 90 seconds too long. Now, all that being said, I actually love this song. And I love when Cornell does that overdubbed backing vocal because Cotson does that a lot too, where he's singing it in a place. And then the harmonizing is a scream that comes over the top of it. Um, that nobody but Cornell could do that. And, uh, I thought it was interesting. He said in the interview, the lyrics were a stream of consciousness. I was writing to the field, the music, accepting whatever came out. I don't know what it's about. So I don't know how it connected to a large audience. Um, which I think a lot of this, uh, in other interviews, he said about it too. And then I want to get Tommy's take on: Is this a ballad? Oh boy, is this? Here a we ballad? go. No way is it a ballad. No, no, uh, no. There's no. another poll. No, it's just a, it's just a, a mid-tempo or sl- you know slower-tempoed rock song. But what Sonny said, the, the thing that sticks out to me, other than the song being amazing, a, a grunge '90s staple, is that section of the song with the overdubbed, layered vocals where you're hearing Chris Cornell with his low kind of sad and moody vocals. What the Joycey vocals? Yeah. And and then on top of it, just that, that, that pitched wail. It's just masterful when you listen to that. And the other thing too, the video is just insane. I mean, the video is just a trip and a half right here. Um, It's just a standout on this album. It's a standout song in general. It's just, it's fantastic. It's everything. Everything is just, awesome about this song lyrics and music by chris cornell video is surreal tom all the fake smiles and a lot of shit and all of a sudden danger hits and they fucking all get sucked up and they're yep. all like "Ooh!" um and you know it, it's just the background screaming that he does that whole like screaming like it's from a megaphone black old child yep. right that i can't explain it 
But the drums on this too, another surprising part that sticks out for me. Uh, I'm echoing a lot of the stuff that you said. It's a brilliantly done song. Uh, I enjoy it. So let's move on to the next one. writes a song called Spoon Man, and it ain't about heroin. How is that? Like, did he miss uh, the point there? I don't know. I love the funk rhythm. That's so powerful, emotional voice with a great vocal melody I'm a sucker for. You you start adding funk rhythms and bringing some of that Prince that I love so much into the mix. Oh, my God. Uh, It totally does it for me. I'm not sure I've ever heard spoons in a song, including that country bullshit George Jones crap. I don't know if Ooh, why would they have spoons? spoons in, I don't know. Fuck. I Maybe don't know. they're stupid. Maybe they're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and supposedly uh, Cornell said he was surprised this song made the album because he didn't think it would make the album. He didn't think anybody would like it. And uh, it's one of my favorites. So I'm not exactly sure why he didn't think that Kim would like it. Yeah, I'm sure because it's not a good song. It's got a fucking spoon what? solo. It's got a fucking oh, spoon on, solo in the middle. Come on, dude. Yeah, come, okay, on. You, come on. You got one of the greatest grunge guitarists <laughs> of the 90s. Let's put him aside and have a guy fucking whacking spoons for 30 seconds. Come on. Open your mind, bitch. Craig, let's stimulate your mind. Open your mind, Craig. <laughs> uh, no, look, it's, it's Soundgarden. It's on the album. It's okay. Uh, it's it's just not, it's not a go to song for me. Maybe it has maybe that has to do with it being overplayed when it was released because it was pounded into the ground on you know rock radio whatever. Um, it's it's just not one of my favorites. You know it it, it says it's it's notable. I don't know in a good way. It features a performance by artist the Spoon Man from a street entertainer from Seattle. <laughs> 
The title of the song is credited to bassist Jeff Ament of Pearl Jam. Um, well, while they were on the set of the movie Singles, um, Ament produced a list of song titles for their for their fictional band. Cornell took it as a challenge to write songs for the film using those titles, and Spoon Man was one of them. <laughs> Zeus is laughing. It's fucking Spoon Man. <laughs> All right. So me and Tom have a little personal joke about this at Stonehill. Who's Spoon Man? Our buddy Grasso, we just called him <laughs> fucking Spoon Man. I, I don't know how that happened. Why it's <laughs> One of these guys called him that. Uh, was he a heroin Grasso? dealer or he just like no, hugged no, men? Interesting. Dumb as a spoon or something like or something like that. Like, yeah, it, it just became an insult. Like, like, yeah, you're just as fucking dumb okay. as a spoon. Okay, Spoon Man. <laughs> that's what. <laughs> so that's why um, that was another one of those things when we talked about doing this album that I'm like, oh, Tommy, we have a little sentimental feeling about this album because we got it together in Spoon Man. Um, lyrics and music by Chris Cornell, uh, additional vocals by Ben Shepard. I'm wondering, is that him that does the vocal back, like the megaphone thing? Maybe. I'm not right? sure. Because it, be. it doesn't really, all my friends are Indians. All my friends are brown and like that sounds like doesn't sound like Cornell. Maybe. Uh, um, I I love I love that second verse of all these lyrics where he comes in with that whole like megaphone like distorted vocals and stuff. The video is black and white featuring artist the Spoon Man. Um, the title actually Jeff Ament is credited on the album as title Jeff Ament, um, and. I think the other part to the, did you mention that from the movie singles? Yeah, I talked about that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Perfect. Uh, guitar solo is pretty good, huh? And then the and, and the spoon wrote, solo. <laughs> no, there's a guitar solo no, in I know, there. I know. But and I put in it just like Tommy said. Why the fuck am I listening to an album in 1994 with a breakdown of spoons? <laughs> so fucking dumb. I mean, I, I just like to me. Okay. It's talent, but is is it enjoyable to listen to? That boy's got talent. It's not like, talent. I can do that now at Easter dinner that I'm about to have in a few oh, hours. Oh, I'm going to play oh, the fucking oh, solo for Spoon let's, Man. Yeah. <laughs> let's bring in the world's greatest uh, tr uh, triangle player. Hey, do a triangle <laughs> fucking thing. He's really talented. Tony the triangle player. Ding, 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 ding. In the middle of a song. Like, I, I don't get the logic. It's I just, don't know. It's a goofy song, but it, oh, yeah. it, it was when, a hit. They, they might as well bring in, I was going to say, bring in Bucket Boy from the TD Garden that's outside oh. banging on the white buckets at the end of a Bruins game. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just, I don't know. And oh. at the end of the video, I thought it was kind of funny that, because um, since we're a KISS podcast, that artist sticks out his tongue like Gene Simmons in the video and does a whole fucking rock thing. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Cool. So. Uh, now that we're done with Grosso, let's move this thing around. <laughs> What's up next?
describes Limorek. Dreary as fuck. All right. So the vocal's cool. I like the chorus. I don't have a clue what this song is about. And honestly, I don't give a fuck because it's also BAF boring as fuck. I, I can't get into the song. I, it was painful to listen to it all the way through, to be honest. Okay, that's a good one because I absolutely love this song. All oh the slow, God, sludgy dude. songs on this album. I love this song. I, I, it, it's it's just it's Soundgarden. It's their strength. It's kind of like what you want from Soundgarden. What shitty um, songs? Come on. <clears throat> it, look, I know it. I know it's a painfully dreary, slow song. Um, Cornell said that uh, the song is a is a shame on decadent song. So it's about a limo wreck because who drives in limos? rich people, superstar celebrities. So now the limo is in a, in a wreck. So it shows them being all, you know, dead or injured or killed or whatever. So it's kind of his symbolic way of saying, you know, fuck all the rich people. Um, but I, I, it's one of my, it's one of the standouts on here for me. All the, all these long sludgy songs. I love it. So that's a good one for me. Uh, I'm with Tommy on this. Fuck you. Oh my God. Lyrics. Why don't you guys spoon each other? Yeah. Spoon Zeus man. is my spoon man. Yeah. Now that's Murph. I can't take his role. That, that's true. Um, lyrics, Chris Cornell. Music by Matt Cameron and Kim Thale. Harmonic guidance. What the fuck does that mean? Fred Chalner or something like that? You don't know what harmonic guidance is? It's like, no, no, no. Not that way. <laughs> yeah. That way. No, no, no. Not that okay. way. That yeah. one. <laughs> okay, John Popper. <laughs> Fuck is harmonic <laughs> guidance. You're right. Like, hey, uh, I think you're uh, hitting that note a little too much. Oh, okay. Um, it's a prodding song. Uh, the vocals on this are fucking off the charts. The repeated chorus is so awesome. And I think you know what I'm talking about. It's that Soundgarden Chris Cornell vocal chorus. The and the wreck of you is the death. Like, who could do that? Fuck with that good. It just makes me want to hear it over and over. And that pitch and that vocal. Oh my god. And I won't say it again. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, no, you're right. That you're right. This is a standout Cornell track <clears throat> when he's saying, <clears throat> I'm the wreck of you, I'm the break and the fall. And he is just oh my god. Sh- he's just shattering the atmosphere with his vocals on that song. It's, you it's know amazing. what? It, it kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of why I fell in love with them the first time when I yep. first heard Outshined. Yeah. Okay. When they hit that middle part. Yep. Oh my God. This is what it reminds me. This is why I can like it. And you're this is the part we said, Tom. It cannot, like, you put anybody else to sing this, it doesn't work. It does right. not work. Um, anyways, that's Limo Wreck. Um, you're up next. Uh, what's the next one we got? Let's go.
the day I tried to live, um, you know, I, I say it all the time, no good deed goes unpunished. That's basically what the song's about to me is like, I try to do the right thing, but I get screwed every time kind of thing. Um, but you still got to try to do the right thing. That's just how it is. I mean, there's going to be times it doesn't work out. Here's where, you know, we haven't really talked about it much, but if you didn't have the lyrics in the CD, you would have no idea what Cornell is saying in any of these songs. Cause the yelping and the vocal and the kind of a, it's kind of a cool emotional whine that he has to his voice. Sometimes you can't figure out what the hell he's talking about. And that's absolutely true in this song. I think that's what stopped it from being a hit. Cause I think this song could have been the biggest hit off the album. If, uh, if he was a little more, I don't know, if he would have explained or maybe said his words a little bit differently. Not sure about that, but uh, I really like the song. Uh, bass and drums definitely drive the song home. That, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, it's 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 a great song. It 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 showcases, you know, all the peaks and valleys of of Cornell uh, vocally. Um, the chorus is just spectacular. Um, Cornell said that the the song is about trying to step out of being patterned and closed off and reclusive. So trying to live, trying to the day that I tried to live, um, he kind of mentioned it a little bit too that he kind of considers it a sister song to "Fell on Black Days," you know, kind of like you have you have a down day and then you have a day that you try to live. He try to kind of put those together, you know, kind of sister songs. Um, I think it's a standout on the album for sure. Uh, lyrics and music by Chris Cornell. Videos kind of weird. Some psycho guy in a ward doing all sorts of fucking stupid shit. Uh, lyrics are depressing and it just like, it's just makes it like it's fruitless. What's, what's the fucking point? Uh, one more time around might do it one more time around to make it. Um, it just, I wallowed at the end of it. He says the day I tried to live, I wallowed in the blood and mud with all the other pigs. What the amazing fuck? Yeah. I mean, and, if those aren't like direct lyrics, again, this is why I think he kind of stands out for me, makes it easier. Like he's in between that. I think he might be like him and Kurt Cobain, but his lyrics are easier to understand. And then that's why Scott Weiland's just like, what the fuck? Um, anyways, uh, I just learned that I was a liar just like you. I deserve good thing. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. I'm going to do a terrific show today and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Well, there's a positive outlook on life. <laughs> yep. I know. <laughs> Amazing. <clears throat> Oh my God, that's kind of depressing. Um, so let's go to the next one.
Okay, so Kickstand, you know, this song's a lot like the early 80s Soundgarden, right? Because Kim's got this punk influence and it rears his head every once in a while, there's no doubt. But if the song is going to be this short, why the hell is it on an album, right? So in the end, it's just a waste of 90 seconds. Like, if you're not going to finish the song, then leave it the fuck alone, just leave it off the album. So my my problem isn't really with the song, it's more with the how short it is. Yeah, I see what Sonny means. It's um it's not a great song, but maybe if it was maybe if it was a little bit more developed and, and turned into a full length track, maybe it could have it could have been something. Um it's it's just not what I want to hear from from Soundgarden. It it kind of sticks out on the album, you know, with that with the up with the the really fast tempo. Um it's it's just not a standout for me. Lyrics by Chris Cornell, music <clears throat> by Kim Thale, only a minute and thirty three seconds, fast paced, punkish. I like it. Uh, I I like when he says, my mother says, it's all right. You know, you know what this reminds me of? This is Pearl Jam's Lucan. Yes. Good one. Right. Where it's like, dude, is this, did this song just end? What the fuck? And then, and then you're like, motherfucker, take those extra like 30, 40 seconds on every other song and add some of that to this song. Cause you're right. You're like, Hey, uh, what do you got for the album? Here's a demo I got. Throw it good. Throw it on. We don't want to cut anything out. Like, it's a it's a good thing, but it's unfinished. But whatever, it's not bad. I don't I don't mind it. And you're right, Sonny. It is, um, you know, bad motor thing and before and beyond and prior uh, Soundgarden sounding. Um, let's move on. We are now down to track number twelve. <laughs> Is a fresh tendrils? Is that what okay, it is? Okay, stop. Fresh stop. Tendrils? I looked this up. 
I didn't have to look it up because I'm smarter than both of you. I know what it is. I looked it up. But go ahead. Go ahead. Since you <laughs> go know ahead, it. Tommy. Smarter than the average no, no, bear. No, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I, I don't want to shit on Zeus's research. Go ahead. No, no, no. I want to hear it. No, go ahead. <laughs> we want to see if you know it better than what I do. Go ahead, Yogi. Go ahead, Yogi. What I know of the word tendrils are, it's what usually if a slug is rolling along, what they leave behind. Tendrils. Ew. No, that's not what I thought. Okay. I always thought tendrils were something like an octopus fingers or something that sticks and grabs you. Yeah, okay. So I looked it up. Yeah. A tendril is a thread-like appendage of a climbing plant entwines around any suitable support. So I would guess it's like something that climbs around some like an octopus's arm or a plant's arm, something like that. I don't know if maybe you what you said is right. Maybe that's a different definition. I don't know. That was the first thing I saw on Wikipedia when I fucking looked it up. Yep. Go ahead, Sam. Anyways, listen to the song. The riff's cool, right? But I, I've never really connected to this song. So I was like, yeah, this song's just meh. I wonder what it is. I happen to be listening to Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews or Bertie Aaron Martell, and they did this album. So I was kind of bouncing up and down, see if they agreed with some of the stuff I was writing down. And somebody on the podcast said it reminded them of Pink Floyd. That's what the problem is, because Pink Floyd sucks ass. That's why I don't like this song. <laughs> okay, I got nothing on Pink Floyd on this song. And what I what I will say instead is that, to me, this is an absolute standout on this album. One oh, of the... My. <clears throat> I put this as one of the... I, I put this as this one of the... This has got to be a joke. You're joking, nope. right? Fresh tendrils. I think first of all, when it starts off, when he says "long time coming" and he's got that monotone, and then the next, then the next verse, he changes his pitch and he gets up high, and then the when he's saying "throw yourself away" and he's screaming. Oh, I, I, I think to me, I think this is a standout song that had that had potential to be a hit for them on this album. I fucking love it. One of my favorites on the album. Lyrics by Chris Cornell and Matt Cameron. Uh, music by Matt Cameron. Clavinet by Natasha Schneider. Um, uh, Tom, I don't agree with you. That's okay. Woohoo, finally. That's okay. Uh, it's a plotting song. I like the riff. You're right, Sonny. I like the riff. The vocals, again, stick out. It Maybe it's something that I didn't. I haven't heard as much as the other songs on it. Maybe if I listen to it a couple hundred more times, I'll like it more. I like it. It's, you know, the vocals, again... On long time coming, uh, it's just the words, every syllable, every little thing, it just up fluctuate. It's incredible. I just, I don't know. It just never. There wasn't maybe because it wasn't a common. It didn't seem like the the common um, chorus or that it could wrap itself around. It just didn't have that hook on this. Um, and I don't know. It just, I like it. I'm not crazy about it. Um, but it's. For me, it's certainly not a standout. I mean, it's one of the weaker songs on this album. Wow. Um, okay. But I, 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 I mean, again, a weak song on Super Unknown is a great song on most other albums. Uh, so, untrue, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll see at the end of this, Sonny, won't we? Oh, yeah, we will. Uh, all right.
4th of July, you know, whether this song's about LSD or PTSD, uh, the song is boring. Uh, B-A-F. The song is boring as hell. Uh, Boring as fuck, honestly. I tried speeding this up in Audacity. It was still not that great. I I like the riff, and I like when his vocal doubles about a minute and a half in, because I think that's always kind of a cool thing. But the song's just very, very boring. Oh, my Lord. This actually offends me. This is offensive. (laughs) You're offended? This is an offensive opinion. It's uh, an objectionable, offensive odor. I've offended Yogi. I'm not going to give away my rankings or anything, but holy shit, is this song spectacular. Oh, my God. This this is a go-to song for me on this album, without a doubt. Everything about it is just... I don't know. We'll get into it when we do rankings, but this is this is one of my favorites. All right. Fourth of July lyrics and music, both <clears throat> by Chris Cornell. Again, you'll see a trend here. I'm with Tommy on this. This song is, you know, it's just another prodding, grungy song. But again, I write down his vocals make it. I, I, and I thought it was the end, and I thought it was the fourth of. Just it's just a that chorus, and it's not a hooky chorus, but his voice, the way he sings it, in every little word, in every little syllable, makes it. Um, I like the guitar solo. Uh, it's supposedly inspired by his one of his LSD trips. He took it on Indian reservation. Um, the lyrics again, thought I was the only one, but that was just a lie. And everyone, everywhere, no one cares. Ah, that phone book voice of his. I could listen to anything, and he makes this. Think about the music. You take the music off, you'd be like, this is fucking horrible. What is this shit? This sounds like the fucking funeral march by fucking Chopin or something. I don't know what it is. It just reminds me of why I like that era of what's considered grunge music. Yep. Lane Staley, Scott Weiland, Kurt Cobain's voice. Eddie Vedder. Oh, it's just like those distinct voices. So although hair metal had people that could hit fucking incredible high stuff like uh, Rob Halford and, and others, right? These voices are just distinct. That's why I like something like a Stephen Piercy's voice or something like that. A distinct voice that can, you know, you hear it and you're like, oh, that's so-and-so. But Cornell doesn't have just a distinct voice. He has an incredible voice. And this song should be garbage, and it's not just because of him. By the way, I Googled uh, a correction. Every time I Googled tendrils, it showed me a picture of a fucking snail. That's why I thought it had to do with a snail. <laughs> it, it, does it say it? Like, is, no. As a snail? No, I th- no but it, show, it showed snails climbing onto tendrils which is what you said like the arms of a plant or the arms oh, or something okay. so i was wrong mistake correction issued uh and yes priest fans you just did hear zeus say rob halford is hair metal so Ooh. you can send your complaints <laughs> to shout it out loudcast at gmail.com what the fuck is turbo lover it's oh. one song that's what the fuck it is the priest whole, is like 50 yeah. years parental guidance we don't need, if that's not a fucking kiss, fuck, wannabe, hair metal type Bon Jovi song, wow. I don't know what is. Here we now go. listen, I, I will tell you this, they're not really hair metal. I'm, I'm saying that era, yep. okay? And that type of music. 
And basically all that, all those bands, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, uh, Bon Jovi, Poison, it's the same fan base. They're all listening to it. So the fact that I call it hair metal, get your fucking panties out of your asshole that I called it hair metal. It's the same fan base. It doesn't make a difference. They're still talking to the same audience or buying those records. So relax. If, okay, if, Frank Sinatra. If you want to get your pa- if you want to get your panties in a bunch, you can get them in a bunch after I tell you that it doesn't matter what you call it, because all of it sucks. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Judas Priest doesn't suck. Tom. I all got right, I got it bunching over here because you guys think this song is good, to be honest. Oh god. Uh. Sonny's going to no. punish us. His next pick is going to be a priest. No, cover. no, because he's got his fucking panties in punch because he used a coupon last week from Adam and Eve, and he's got a fucking hot rod fucking stick up his ass. But go ahead. You're up next. Okay, so I got a little rant, but before I start my rant, half! I take half his shit, and they'll get it. They'll get half your money, your house, your car, alimony, child support, and your children. You'll be on the cover of the inquirer like this. So be careful. This song, Half, transported me right back to when I was like six years old listening to this shitty eight tracks that my dad used to listen to about like Middle Eastern music on that fucking console, right? The console, the record player, you open up the top, you know, that kind of shit. Um, I, it just, the song reminded me of a very long quote. I'll read it verbatim here. Now listen to me, jerk off. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Quit being part of the fucking problem and put the other guy back on. So in other words, Shepard, give the mic back to Cornell, sit down, and shut the fuck up. That's what this song tells me. Yeah, it's just very... We've, we've, we've used this term when we talk about some Kiss records. It's just very self-indulgent. It's uh, It, it, it kind of reminds me of when like Van Halen put AA political blues on OU812 <laughs> or... You know, it, it there's just no need for it. It's not grunge. It's not Cornell. It's just there's just no need. I mean, at least put it at the make it the last song, but that's just it, there's no need for it. This is this versions of Bugs. Oh yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. just which like, is what the fuck is this doing on? Right, here? which is also very self indulgent on Vitalogy. Oh, yeah, what hey Foxy motherfucker, whatever the fuck that is, do. Uh, just Pearl Jim had a habit of doing this shit too. Yep. Um, lyrics and music by Ben Shepard. I think there's a common theme when it's Ben Shepard doing it. It sucks. You guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> viola player and guitar. Ben, Sh- no, 
vocals is Ben Shepard on this. Viola is April Aceves. Cello, Justin Foy. It's Indian music in the beginning. It sounds like Zeppelin, Middle Eastern breakdown. It, but that breakdown at the end, it reminds me of the how many more times Zeppelin kind of breakdown where they start talking, when Robert Plant starts talking about all the women and stuff. And there's that kind of moody, creepy kind of music. That's the best part of the song when he, when he stops. I don't know if that's called singing. I don't know what he's doing. I don't either. But when it gets into that little mood stuff, I can listen to that as part of like an interlude between songs because <clears> it fits the mood. I don't understand it. And Cornell says he refused to sing it because he would lose its character. So Ben had to sing it. Ugh. No, you, you don't want to <laughs> sing it because you're like, even I can't do shit. With that's this right. Song. Right. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you die on this hill, Ben. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know Go what? ahead, dude. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Do you know, it reminds me of that old Creedence Clearwater Revival shit where John Fogarty would always write all the music, write all the lyrics, produce everything, do the guitar parts, do everything. And they had his brother and the other shit bags in the band. And they're like, oh, this isn't fair. I should be doing stuff. And their last album, he's like, okay, everybody do three songs and come back. And yep. the album fucking tanked and the band just broke up. That's him <laughs> saying, okay, everybody bring in some stuff. Okay, you bring this, you bring Okay, Ben, let's see how you do with this. Here you go. <laughs> that yep. passive-aggressive shit. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> right? Oh, same, oh, well. <laughs> same shit Paul used to do to Peter. Yeah, yeah, that's good, Peter. Yeah, put that on your own shitty solo album. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> oh, here we go. He's shitting on Peter's solo album now, Zeus. <laughs> the only reason he would be saying that would be because that song, Hooligan. But other than oh. that, he'd be nuts. Fuck. Anyways. Um, yeah, you're right, Tom. This should be the last song on the album. Yeah, but thank God it's not because here it comes.
you could have just took the day I tried to live, move that in front of Limo Wreck, and just end the album because this song is not that good. I, I like Suicide. I'm sorry. I think the story of, you know, Robin hits the house and breaks his neck and he ends up smashing it over the head with a brick to end his suffering. That's better than what this song is. And even he said it got vetoed initially. It should have just stayed vetoed. It's a terrible way to end the album. I'm sorry. Speechless. I don't even know. I don't even know where to fucking go right now. The, the, the fact that, see, this is why I'm glad we picked this album because we have one person saying that the song should not even have been on the album. And then you have me and potentially Zeus. Uh, I, I, I don't know where to go. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm, all I can say is just, it's fucking amazing. And we'll save it when we get into the rankings and et cetera. <laughs> Lyrics and music by Chris Cornell, prodding song, haunting. Um, it's just, I, vocals are unreal. The yep. lyrics, the drum, that guitar outro that Kim Thale does. Awesome. Awesome. Um, the vocal range, Chris Cornell, I know same old shit. I keep saying throughout this whole thing, that monotone Chris Cornell. And then in the first, li- in first, uh, couple verses. Right. And then he writes, then he goes to that higher pitch. Bit down on the bullet. Now I had a taste so sound. That is insane. The talent it takes to do that. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of Birth Ritual, which oh, I'm a song. huge fan of from singles. Killer song. Um, oh, my God. And thank God I have Tommy here with this because this would be, this whole album would be, this is fucking awesome. And then you'd say, this sucks. You're on the same page with me. Every one of these is just Cornell in his voice and the music. And it just, he makes everything work. This song should be like, if anybody else did this, you'd be like, this is a, a parody yeah. of what people would think is grunge. No, but this is perfect for grunge. This is what it is. People misinterpret the lyrics, what he's talking about. He's not talking his own suicide, but it's just, Oh my, I, I, off the charts, off the charts. And it is the last song on the album. Yep. We, uh, we discussed this earlier that, um, you know, we weren't going to do, she likes surprises, which is like the 16th song. Mm-hmm. It's on the bonus when they did a redo of the album. We're not going to get into it. We're talking about the 15 songs that are on the original album. Um, so we're going to end there. Um, I obviously we 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 threw out a lot of stuff. Any overall opinions of what we just talked about, Sonny? We can start with you. They're seriously talented musicians, uh, not guys I would want to hang out with unless I was doing my personal leaving Las Vegas kind of thing. Because <laughs> um, you got to be in an okay mood to listen to some of this shit. Like after I listened to this, I put on a couple of Prince albums because I was. <laughs> Like, it was still during the day, so I was like, I can't be in this mood the whole time. Uh, Some of this is depressing shit. That's how grunge is to me kind of all the time. So I will tell you, when I listen to this album, I listen to basically about about half of it that I really, really like. And then the other half, I just don't even listen to. Yeah, it's it's not like we said at the beginning. It's not a feel-good album. It's not an album that you kind of throw on when you're having like a cookout or... 
Hey, uh, hey, my, my friends are coming over. Yeah, why don't you throw on uh, like suicide or throw on super unknown? Like, but that being said, um, for this era, for this style of music, I think it's just a crowning achievement in the grunge era um, music for for sure for me. Yeah, and so you talk about the mood. No one's saying to be in the mood for the whole you know day. Oh yeah, but right. It can get it take you to a place that there's a time and place for everything. Yep. I'm not gonna play fucking uh i want to rock and roll all night and party every day after i just left my uncle's funeral all right but you know if i've had a day at work or something it's kind of bugging me and i'm driving home i want to listen some maybe i'll put this on or maybe if it's raining and i'm like just you know having a beer outside and just watching the rain sitting on a chair fuck yeah i want to play this yeah um it's just again overall i'm so happy we were able to review it because i honestly lost that understanding of how awesome this album was and that whole era yeah and so what we usually do after we uh do our album review we do a uh breakdown of the tracks and rank them so let's go i have this uh um, I'm not sure who's gone first So who went last last couple times Does anybody remember No okay. I'll, go, I'll go first Alright so Tom is going to go first Number 15 Tom Half Sonny Half Our first ever <laughs> Ever Three way agreement because Sonny wanted to be a bozo and not put Apolitical Blues last when we did OU812. Because <laughs> they didn't How? write that song. Right, right. How is that not the fucking offer? I know. Now I that know. I think about it, Tom, I guess somebody would have been, oh, yeah, you definitely did that for OU812, right? Apolitical nope. Blues. No. No. <laughs> All right. Number 14, Tom. Head down. Head down. Everybody down. No. Put that cookie down now. I took, um, Tommy's not going to like this, fresh tendrils. Oh, dear God. Boy, th- th- these rankings, once we get th- these rankings. They're about this, to get ugly now. It's, it's, this is going to get all. Again, remember, this is something like even half I can deal with it. I like. So um, just because I put fresh tendrils down just means I don't like it as much as the others. Doesn't mean I don't like it. I like it. 13 no, Tom. And I'll, and I'll be completely honest with you. Full disclosure: during this recording, I have changed my range. Oh yeah, so did I a few times. So do I. I because, have not. Sonny's like I have not. It just it's it, this is a mood album, and it depends. I mean, the first two songs on my rankings were never going to change. That was always yeah. one and two. Same with same with me. All right, so thirteen for me. I got kickstand. Thirteen for me is limo wreck. Oh, okay. 13 for me, let me drown. Whoa. Very different. 12 for me, Spoon Man. <laughs> wow. 12 for me is Fresh Tendrils. Wow. Atta boy. 12 for me, Spoon Man. Oh, okay. Uh, 11 for me, Mailman. 11 for me, Like Suicide. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Oh, my God. I would have put it further down, but, you know, Shepard wrote a couple of songs. Oh, boy. 
11 for me. Head down. Everybody down. 10 for me. Fell on black days. Oh, oh my God. What? No, it's going to get, it's going to get worse. Yeah. 10 for me is kickstand. God. Yeah, I'm stuck on Tommy's. Oh my God. Um, 10 for me is kickstand. Nine for me, my wave. Nine for me, 4th of July. <gasps> Nine for me, mailman. Eight for me, limo wreck. Eight for me, mailman. Eight for me, super unknown. Oh, wow. Okay. that That's my number seven. Seven for me is super unknown. Uh, seven for me is let me drown. Seven for me is 4th of July. Oof. Six for me, the day I tried to live. Six for me is Black Hole Sun. Six for me, Black Hole Sun. Five for me is Let Me Drown. Five for me is My Wave. Five for me is My Wave. Holy shit, I'm matching with Sonny a lot. Four for me, and you can suck it both. Fresh tendrils. (laughs) Uh, You're officially sucking it because of that pick. Four for me is the day I tried to live. Four for me, the day I tried to live. Three for me, black hole sun. Three for me is super unknown. Three for me, limo wreck. Nice. Wow. Why? These these top two flip-flop for me, but I settled on this one. Number two for me is 4th of July. Uh, Number two for me is fell on black days. Number two for me is Like Suicide. And that is my number one, Like Suicide, by far. And you guys are nuts because number one is Spoon Man. Oh, <laughs> you've got to be. There's no way you're doing that seriously. My number one is Spoon Man. I love that song. Oh, my See, goodness. This is, this is why we do this. My number one is Fell on Black Days. Wow. A lot of different things all over the place here with this ranking. Wow. I think I know what's going to be number one, but go ahead, Sonny. Do you have the rankings? All right. So top three, third, or five. Or third was Black Hole Sun. Tied for second was Like Suicide and The Day I Tried to Live. And number one was Fell on Black Days. Wow. I'm not going to argue with any of that. I will argue with Spoon Man being number one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. It's a great song. I'm telling you right now, one some of the feedback we get on this, w- w- Sonny's got another nickname. It's like Sonny fucking can't rank list poony or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. This may be more egregious than having AA political blues not last <laughs> on OUA 1 2. I cannot believe you guys like that shit like, a su- like suicide. Oh my Good God. Story. That song. Ru- oh just my God. I will so, never listen to that song again after this. So. Me and Tommy, after we do an album review, we also, behind the scenes, have been tracking where we rank every song. So, therefore, we're not ranking every Kiss song all at once. We're doing it per album. We can eventually do this. The fact that A Political Blues is not the worst song, well, actually, <laughs> half might be there. Half too. is the worst song. I start having nightmares. I was waking up in the middle of the night like this. I don't know. I would probably put a political blues. No, no, no. At least you got Sammy. 
I was just going to say, Sonny has a point. At least you have Sammy's voice on Apolitical Blues. Yeah, but it's on shit. Right, and right. this song isn't that long, and half of it's instrumental. Okay. Yeah, we should argue which one's worse. There's your poll. Yeah, I guess so. All right, um, so, what, so what, do you, what do we do next? Rank the albums now, right? Yes. We could do covers. Do you want to do covers? I'll do that. Yeah. Do you remember the covers? Yeah. Okay, so, we got, so we got Appetite, Appetite for yeah, Destruction. Yep. We have uh, Slide It In. We have, uh, what was it, the fucking one? OU812. Um, and we have um, Super Unknown. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we do for the Kiss album reviews. We why do don't songs. we do this? I'll do yeah. first. I'll be first this time. Okay. Um, Tommy, you be last. Sonny be in the middle. Okay. And then the next one, Sonny will be first or whatever. All right. So my worst one on here. Wait, wait, wait. Are you doing album cover or album, album cover? Album, album cover. cover. Okay. So I would probably say that the worst album cover is OU812. Tom? Oh, it's definitely OU812. Unless Sonny... Yes. Here we go. Here comes Sonny with the bad list. It is. It is. Okay, thank God. What? It's the worst. Logic. We all agree. Um, so, um, the third, I would put Super Unknown as third. Me too. Me three. Wow. wow. And then I would say two is slide it in. That's a tough one for me, but I'm going to have to do number. I'll have to do that as well. Uh, I know it's a cool album cover with a snake going down the chest and everything, but no appetites. Number two. Okay. All right. Number one for me is appetite. Yeah, me too. I just think that cross with the skulls. Oh my God. It's, it's just, so original it's and iconic. ahead of its time. And it's now being so common that yeah. you don't, Take its brilliance for what it was back yeah. then. I could give me see the sli- sexy. Give me the sexy woman with a snake any day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could see that. You are the horniest man. Do I make you horny, baby? Do I? Unbelievable. Promo code Poony. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I've gone first. Tommy's gone first. I'll be in the middle. Tom will be last. Sonny, you start first. As far as favorite albums that start with number four. Super Unknown. I knew it. That was easy. Um, it's not even fucking close. Um, OU812 is fucking number four. Yeah, for me too. All right. Number three, Sonny. OU812. Um, for me... This is the hard. This is Kissel. This is um, tough. This is the hardest one. This is Kissel. I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to go by. Uh, I'm going to say that it's slide it in for me. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I, I think I would have to. I think I would have to lean, lean slightly towards slide it in at number three. That's a tough one for me, though. Um. All right, Sonny. The second. Second for me is appetite. Wow. Um. For me, it's obviously uh, uh at this point, Soundgarden, Super Unknown. Yep, that's two for me. Also, Sonny, number one. 
number one for me, slide it in. Okay. Um, for me, obviously, it's appetite. Yep. Um, me too. It's that's tough because it, it's one of those mood things. Whenever you're ranking, it's like I I, I want to listen to slide it in today. I don't want to listen to super unknown. And then the next yeah, day, you know, that's just the thing. Anytime appetite comes on, I, like I don't have to be in a mood. I, I can play this anytime. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm I'm pumped. I, I love how we just did these rankings. Um, so let's go quickly. Uh, we're going to move this over into our favorite part of the program. The you make me rock hard part. Sonny, what makes you rock hard today well since everybody's in their homes figured i'd uh give a recommendation of a movie that i saw the other day hunt for red october what a great Ooh, movie okay. right it's uh based on the novel uh sean connery alec baldwin scott glenn i mean there's james earl jones it's really it's one of those movies Ooh, wait that, a minute, who? james earl jones Okay. <laughs> Not George Jones, fucker. Yeah, I, thought, uh, I thought you said James Merle. <laughs> Merle. <laughs> but uh, it's one of those movies that I enjoy that doesn't have like a, a female lead, really, right? There's not really a love interest. There's really none of that. It's just basic um, guy movie, I guess. But uh, it's a great movie from 1990. Uh, whatever. From 1990. Not bad. Holds up, too. Yep. Good one. Uh, for me, for, for so for me, uh, another recommendation. So um, anybody that listens or maybe follows my personal page, uh, if I'm not talking about Kiss in rock music, whatever, I'm talking about horror movies, that's my thing. So if you're not familiar with the streaming service called Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R, um, it is the, uh, it's all horror streaming. Uh, it is fucking amazing. And because of uh, what we're doing right now, because of this, the virus and the shutdown, they're doing an unbelievable promo. They usually have a seven day free trial, but if you use the promo code shut in S H U T I N, they're giving people a 30 day free trial. Um, and it is, it, if you're a horror movie fan, I can't stress enough. It's got all the classics. It's got, you know, all the Friday, the 13th, it's got the Halloween sleepaway camp, you know, Texas chainsaw massacre. But then it has a lot of um, exclusive originals that go direct to Shutter. Um, it has documentaries. It actually they're actually starting to create some uh, original series, horror related. Um, everything's broken down into categories. You know, if you like supernatural, if you like slashers, if you like demons, it's uh, you know you can't beat it with the free trial. So if you're a horror movie fan, I can't stress enough. I'm always checking it out. So it's very cool. Shutter S H U D D E R. So for me, I'm going to say um, something similar to this album. Uh, I would guess that I'm going to say Stone Temple Pilots. Um, I, as I told you, I did the whole thing with Baco and we reviewed Purple, uh, Stone Temple Pilots' second album. And I, you know, between this Hot in the Shade, Soundgarden, Purple, I think I got into Purple more than uh, than any of them. And remember why I love that album and why I love the band. Um, Stone Temple Pilots, um, you know, got put into that grunge era. 
kind of so- similar like to what I said to you earlier, that blasphemy of Judas Priest in the hair metal. But they got put in it because it's the same audience they were going to. That's how I look at it. And they have some musical, uh, you know, the music uh, on their albums, uh, the DeLeo brothers are fantastic. They get very much overlooked. I can listen to Daisy on their third album um, from the Vatican, Tiny um, Gifts, a million times. And it's just this little guitar little thing they do, instrumental. I, I can listen to that all day long. Um, and then just Wyland's vocals, his lyrics are fucked up. The songs kick ass, and especially Purple. That, to me, is the holy grail for me for grunge albums uh, of that era. Um, STP Core, everyone knows, but they've got some other great songs on other stuff. Uh, Tripping on a Paper uh, Heart, their whole. Um, you've got Seven Cage Tigers. You got fucking. Oh, it's just tons of great shit. Uh, you don't like Sour Girl either? Real quick, Stone Temple Pilots, for me personally... Because it's personal business. It's my personal private business. Got worse with each album, and that means I think Purple is worse than Core. Oh, no, no, no. That's okay. They also, for me, I still think Purple is their masterpiece, but I still like the other albums. Okay. Um, I I can... I mean, I just find him to be a genius, uh, Scott Weiland, uh, vocally and everything else. Anyways, that's my... uh, That's what... I've been listening to, and that's what's making me rock hard lately. Nice. Um, Perfect. Sonny, where can we find you? Um, GrownUpRock.com. Uh, uh, on the Grown Up Rock podcast, you can find it anywhere we, your greater podcasts are, and Podcast Rock City if you're in the KISS podcast. Yeah, and make sure you check out both of those. If you're listening to us, you've heard both of those, but in case you haven't, Podcast Rock City and Grown Up Rock for sure. Yeah, and uh, a special hello to your partner out there, Steven. Yep. Uh, who's got you guys got a few new episodes out recently this week? I saw one this morning. Everyone, go give them a listen to. Um, Tom, they where people can find us. Uh, we're on all the social medias like everybody else Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, podcast is everywhere. You know, all your favorite platforms. Um, we always say we're part of the Pantheon podcast, so check us out, check those shows out. We're, we're everywhere, so look for us. Yeah, and the big thing for us, especially. The album reviews, email us. Yes. Hit us up on on social media. Email us your thoughts. Did you like the album? Did you agree with Sonny? Did you agree with Tom? Did you agree with me? Do you hate Tom? Do you hate me? <laughs> Do you hate Sonny? Do you want to punch Sonny in the face for these awful fucking opinions? Wow. Really? Like, we want to hear about it, right? Spoonman is punchable in the face material. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Anyways. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Direct messages, tweet, Facebook. Tell us what you thought about this album review. We want to hear from you and we'll certainly read it on, on the air. Um, any uh, emails that we've gotten recently we want to get to real quick? Um, real quick here, we got one from a Dan Alexander. About the OU812, he said, gentlemen, finish what you started. The video as a kid, I loved it. I thought the women were so hot in it. Then he says, do a kiss bracket of kiss bass lines. Okay, (laughs) Dan, thank you for the email, but that would be almost impossible to do. But thank you for the email, Dan. We appreciate it. Sonny? Yeah, we got one from our friend Jerry Blackwell. 
about the 01812 OU812 album. He says, uh, shitty album, but great episode by you guys. <laughs> Fucking hilarious content. I love the jokes, references, etc. Gap band rules. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and got to admit, Sonny's rankings were the best on this one. He must be talking about the episode we're doing right now. Like he can oh. see the future. Jesus that has Christ. to be the only person, and we picked that one for him to read. His fucking ego is going to get enormous. The only person that's commended his fucking song rankings. Unbelievable. Uh, Anyways, I'll end it with Angelo Capasso, who loves to fucking send us emails. Keep sending them, Angelo. We do read them. OU812, very well done, boys. Exclamation points. I am one of the few out here that loves that album from cover to cover. I know even a, a political blues. What the? This is Sonny's fucking alter ego. But I can't believe you missed the mark on mine all mine. Look at the link below. That is the real reason Sammy wrote the tune. I don't know. He sent me a link. Uh, peace out, Girl Scout. Thanks, nice. Angelo. We love getting your emails. Guys, to end this episode, we usually like to end on famous last words. Who's got one first? Here, I'll go first. I woke the same as any other day, except a voice was in my head. It said, seize the day, pull the trigger, drop the blade, and watch the rolling heads. Oof. Good one. Jesus. I think, I think we'd call one of those alerts on him. His family <laughs> would call an alert on him if he saw that now. Well, this one isn't much better since it is off Super Unknown, the album, so... <clears throat> So slip down the darkness to the mouth. Damn the altar. Burn the wine. I'm going home for the very last time. Is Happy Easter, gonna, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is someone going to do a wellness check on this guy? <laughs> what the fuck? She lived like a murder. How she flies, how she'd fly so sweetly. She lived like a murder. But she died just like suicide. Uh, there's, an ex there's an exclamation point to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we lost half our audience, just killed themselves. Yep. Oh, no. We lost half our audience when you guys said limo wreck was good. Oh, oh Jesus. Suze, you want me to kill myself? Exactly. Uh, that's our friend Rye Guy when I played a, I went. I don't even know what song it was. He's like, what the hell is this? Yep. Anyways, uh, Sonny, thank you. Tom, thank you. Kiss Army, thank you. Everybody, guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, this this is a good one for us. Hopefully you think the same. If not, let us know. Sonny, thank you guys. Zeus, thanks, everybody. Enjoy. Have a good day. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace out, Girl Scout. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.